0: this is novel marketing i'm thomas sumstatt jr and with me as always is james l rubart best-selling christy award winning novelist and husband of the world's most amazing woman she is definitely my better three quarters and this is the show for novelists who want to become best-selling authors
1: in this episode we're going to talk about creating a crazy cool
0: bio Today's topic comes from Samantha Johnson, author of The Beginner's Guide to Vegetable Gardening. And she asks
1: I discovered the novel marketing podcast a few months ago, and since then, I've listened to nearly all the episodes in the archive. Great. We love you, Samantha. We love you. We love you a (laughs)
0: lot.
1: I now have a lot of new marketing ideas to try out, and I've learned ways to fine tune the things I've already been doing. I have a couple of suggestions for episode topics I'd love to see you guys discuss sometime. For example, How to Write the Perfect Author bio. I know you've touched on this briefly in the past, but an entire episode would be awesome.
0: Samantha, your wish is our demand. And I would like to say on the record (laughs) that this is one of our mysterious nonfiction listeners who have come out of the dark and into the light. So we know (laughs) you nonfiction folks are listening, and you are welcome at the novel Marketing table.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And Samantha, we do believe you
0: have a fiction uh, story in you somewhere. Yeah, the wonderful thing about vegetable gardening is it's all the fun of flower gardening, but you actually have food at the end. So it's, it's uh, even better in some ways. Okay, so enough about that. Bios. So Don't bios. you are... just say, uh, my, here's my name and where I live, and then you're done? And that's is it, that how it works? And, and you can move on. Yeah,
1: um, You know, Thomas, I think bios are one of the most overlooked aspects of an author's marketing, right? You A lot of people hit the facts, you hit a few highlights, and voila, you have a bio. But a bio... For a lot of people, and I mean your readers, your potential audience, it's the first thing that they see about you. It's the first thing a potential publisher or a potential agent, potential editor, and like I just said, the first thing a potential reader sees about
0: you. I, I learned this in public speaking school. I, I've gone through a lot of uh, public speaking training and one of the things to talk about is bios and you go t- through training on how to introduce somebody. And in a perfect world, you create a three paragraph introduction of yourself and then the person introducing you edits those down to one or two sentences and gives you this great introduction. And the real world, the person introducing you is often the conference organizer who's not gone through any training whatsoever and they read all three paragraphs. And by the end, everyone <laughs> (laughs) is fallen asleep because there's way more information than what anyone wanted to know and you've already lost half the battle before you've even started speaking because your introduction was bad and so what i've learned is i have a short introduction the short bio, and then I have the longer version, and I make it very clear for folks who aren't used to introducing, use the short version <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't want to edit the long version. Arrows,
1: this is the one to use. <laughs> yeah, you bring up a good point, Thomas. Because this is the first introduction, that bio needs to be, dare I say it, entertaining. It needs to be, or provocative, or it needs to hook the listener in some way that they go, okay, I got to know more about this person. Just or at like the, the very least, What's not that?
0: boring. <laughs> <Do> <laughs> if not you be can't boring. make it entertaining, don't make it boring and don't put in things we don't care about. <laughs> it's like, I don't care what college you went to. I really, really don't. That is not going to change my opinion of you in any way unless you went to Texas A&M, in which case it may have had a negative <laughs> impact because we all know about the Aggies. No, but in all seriousness, no one cares where you live, how many kids you have. That's not going to help, at least in my opinion. You might disagree.
1: No, I, it it isn't something that impacts them. We, we harp on the idea that it's all about them and it's not about you. So if it does not impact them by making them laugh or making them ask a question or provoking them, that's not necessarily a bad thing. If it doesn't raise an emotion in them, don't put it in there. So what should we
0: do? Uh, We don't talk about our kids unless it's a parenting book, then I I would say kids might be appropriate. But if you're a novelist, I don't care how many kids you have, uh, or, you know, what schools they went to or what their hobbies. are. I mean, some of folks, it's like, I don't care about me. I'm just going to talk about my children. <laughs> it's like boring. Right.
1: And I have to push back on you just a little bit there because I think it's OK to say, uh, you know, I'm married or I have kids, that kind of thing. Um, but it's it's it can't be an emphasis. And if you're doing the short version of the bio, right. By that, I mean, sometimes like you have a byline on a website where you've done an article, that kind of thing, don't bring out the big bio. A lot of times, if you have a byline, they'll let you have maybe one sentence, and so you've got to hone it down just to those things that are really
0: key. All right. So one of the tips uh, you have here is to be relatable. So how do we do that?
1: Yeah, you you just need to make sure people realize you're just another human, right? So to do that, what I suggest is mention a quirk, a hobby, self-deprecating humor can really work if that fits your personality. Maybe you love 50s music. Maybe you love superhero movies. Maybe you're a night owl. There's ways to work those kind of things in that makes people smile and makes people relate to you as not just this big author in the sky type thing, but uh, an actual just, hey, I'm just another guy. I'm just another gal just like you.
0: So to pull back against that a little bit, although I do agree, you want to be relatable. You don't want to be in an ivory tower. And I think for nonfiction authors, this can be very easy. But you also want to keep some mystery. You don't want to just blab everything there is about you. Having a little bit of mystery, a little bit of something that people want to know more, they're curious, and questions that are not being answered – that is how you build celebrity, ultimately. It's people wanting to know more than what they can get rather than having more information than they than they want. If if they ever get to that point, that's when you stop being a celebrity and you stop being interesting.
1: No, that's a great point. When I was first starting – when I was writing my first novel, I had somebody critique my, my first novel and they said, here's the problem. You have dropped all the breadcrumbs in the first chapter. You need to drop a few breadcrumbs, like Hansel and Gretel did, all along the way so people keep wanting to know more. And so Thomas makes a good point. Put enough in there that they go, ooh, i got to find out more about this person. i got to go to their website. I need to subscribe to their blog or their newsletter. So breadcrumbs, not the whole loaf.
0: So the next tip is to use humor. So are you saying we put a knock-knock joke in our About uh, bio? You, Thomas, yes, because you're so good at (laughs) knock-knock
1: jokes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you can put humor, again, if that fits your personality. Some people and some subject matters are very serious, and so you wouldn't necessarily put humor in there. But humor is is such a great tool to open people up. Great speakers understand that if they say something that's funny – It cannot help but open people up. So the next thing they say is received much more easily. So if you write with humor, if you have a little bit of wit, please use that in your bio. All
0: right. The next tip is to tell us where you live Even if it's not specific. So you want to put your address so all the creepy stalkers can come to your house? (laughs) That's specific. (laughs) I, I heard a story on another podcast about a young man who was going through a hard time and he ran away from home. And he went to the house of the uh, fantasy writer that he was a big fan of because he thought – and this guy had not shared his address. He just vaguely shared where he lived. And this child in the 80s did all of this research and, like, triangulated his position down to two cities, then got on an airplane, flew oh there, took gosh. a taxi to the two cities, flipped open the yellow, the white paper because apparently there was books back in the day that had people's addresses in them. Is this really true, Back things that existed? Anyway, that's what the, he, he claimed, that he had this – book that with addresses in it and phone numbers and w- drove had a taxi drive him to this guy's house and just like showed up and he's like hello i'd like to move in
1: <laughs> i think i think stephen king wrote a book about that called misery <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a a really good point. You do not want to give out a specific address. Yet at the same time, just like we are taught in our stories, we need to ground the person. Is this happening in outer space? Is it in a fantasy world? Is it in Australia? Is it in the United States? We need to ground people. It really helps them get a sense of your surroundings. So a, a general description, you live in the Pacific Northwest. He lives in the South. She lives in the main area. That I like.
0: The Maine area as opposed to the, just the state of Maine? Yes. <laughs> the, Does that include the, greater, like the parts of Canada area. that kind of stretch around there? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next tip is to give people a sense of your voice. So how do you put your voice into your bio?
1: Well, editors and agents – harp, harp, harp on, I'm looking for a a great voice. I'm looking for a great voice. Well, what does that mean? Well, I I don't know, but when I see it, I'll know it. Um, I'll know it when I see it. Uh, And and so just like you have voice in your writing, put that voice into your bio. So if you're somebody that's very funny, then put that voice into your bio. If you're somebody that's very serious, um, and very challenging, put that into your bio as well. Don't, Think of your bio as anything but an extension of your voice to get people to have a little bit of a hint of who you
0: are. So give us some examples of what that would look like.
1: Well, if you're writing YA, you're going to be a little more playful. You're going to be a little more irreverent because your target audience is who? It's it's younger people. If you are somebody that's writing on a very serious subject, say sexual abuse or something like that, you're probably not going to be joking around. So let your, uh, let your voice or your style in writing your bio reflect the type of writing you do.
0: All right. The next tip is to write in the third person. So this is the standard way to do it. You want to have your name in there, especially on your website, your about page. This is where you rank for your own name. <laughs> you get to put in the keyword of your own name, but you also want to do this in your bio on the back of your book. that so, right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because there is something different about me saying I'm a Christie Award-winning author. I'm a best-selling author. That sounds like boasting. But if you say James L. Rubart is a Christie Award-winning off- author, it distances you from that, and you're simply telling people about you in in more of a reporting fashion. Now I hesitate to use the word reporting because again, we're not just spewing out facts here. But uh, I definitely suggest, and this is the only thing I suggest actually on a website, is to write in third person
0: okay the next tip is to give your authority and this is particularly important for nonfiction authors in fact i would say for a nonfiction bio this is probably the most important thing you need to establish that they should listen to you and it, this is something that aristotle talked about in r- rhetoric he broke down communication into ethos pathos and logos which we still use the greek words now even though no one speaks greek anymore ethos is your credibility your your um Appeal. And credibility doesn't necessarily mean where you went to college. Now everyone goes to college. It's what experiences you have, what awards you've won, and you want it to be specific to the topic of that book. So if you're writing on different topics, you may want slightly different bios that show your credibility. And so for Samantha, for, you know, you're blogging or you're writing about gardening, vegetable gardening, you know, talk about how long you've been gardening, or how, what awards you've won? You've been to a gardening contest, and you had the best turnip. I'm doing a terrible job because I know nothing <laughs> about gardening, but, but but you do, and so you would know what to put there to help build your credibility. Or since you're writing for beginners. You would want to talk about how you've been teaching many people to garden. People who never thought they could garden before now have more tomatoes than they know what to do with, and they're giving them away from their friends. Something like that. You work it into your bio to help build that credibility.
1: And if you're a fic- if you're writing fiction, if you're writing novels, do you need to have the authority as well? Yeah, you do. Because there's so many books out there these days. You need to give them a reason why I should consider you over another author. And that's where awards come in. That's where selling status comes in. If... You're, if, if people know that, then they're, oh, maybe I should give her a try.
0: So, And a pro tip here, one of the best ways to have authority as a novelist is to have written other novels, which allows you to cross-promote. So if I've just finished your book and I flip it back over to the back page and I see your bio, it's like, oh, James L. Rubart's written six novels. Well, if I like this one, maybe I'll like the other five. And now I'm Googling James L. Rubart to find his other novels and its his credibility. So it's a win-win.
1: Another way you can establish credibility or authority is uh and this isn't really doesn't tie into your bio but that's why reviews are so important on Amazon. Once you get up to 100 100 reviews, that's a tipping point, right? Where Amazon says, "Oh, okay, this person has some authority."
0: Yeah. So, another tip here is to customize your bio for different audiences and this is so important. As somebody who lives, wears very different hats. So on this podcast, I'm like the marketing novel guy. In other worlds, I, in nonprofit world, nobody cares about that. Or political world, nobody cares about that. So I have completely different bios.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, and I actually, and Thomas, I imagine you do too. I have a file where I have a long bio. I have a short bio. I have different bios based on the different things that I do um, in my careers, plural, So develop that where something's going to be appropriate. Uh, Not every publication is going to need information about your feline affection or love for classic rock, but some will. Sometimes it's appropriate. Sometimes it's not. So with that said, you need to tailor your tidbits to the audience and make sure to keep them at a minimum. Remember, readers are only marginally interested in your personal life. So as said before, this is not the place to divulge everything
0: and some people don't want to do this and it's why they have such a long bio so they give their whole life history in you know a page and no one wants that i know you want to share that cuz you want it you want affirmation this is not the place to get it <laughs>
1: <laughs> next tip thomas would be
0: watch your length oh we don't want it we want to talk more and more the more we say about ourselves the better it is right <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely. We're novelists, right?
0: <laughs> if we can't convince them we're awesome in 20 words, we can definitely do it in 40 Absolutely. words, and if not, 500. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. That's correct. <laughs> no, uh Shakespeare said it, right? Was he was the guy? Wasn't he the guy that said said brevity is the soul of wit?
0: Either him or Benjamin Franklin. If you ever this is a pro tip <laughs> by the way, if you ever don't know who a quote is from, Franklin, CS uh, Mark Twain, or William Shakespeare. They have about half the quotes that are quoted are really them. Other people said it afterwards, but you're always safe if you say Franklin.
1: <laughs> okay, so so Shakespeare, Franklin, and Umstad. Wait, we'll cut. No, no, nope, nope, not Umstad. <laughs> we're going to cover. All right. Hey, let's, Thomas, before we go, and we, we need to wrap up this session, but before we go, let me give an example of what I think is a, a, a killer um, bio. This is from a, a friend of ours, Mary Weber, and she writes YA to give you perspective on the type of fiction that she writes. Uh, And here's her bio. I'm just going to read it, and then we'll unpack it, and then we'll let you guys go. Mary Weber is a ridiculously uncoordinated girl plotting to take over make-believe worlds through books, handstands, and imaginary throwing knives. In her spare time, she feeds unicorns, sings 80s hairband songs to her three muggle children, and oogles her husband, who looks strikingly like Wolverine. They live in California, which is perfect for stalking L.A. bands, Josh Whedon, and the ocean. And then Mary gives her uh, Twitter handle and her website. That's it. And that's, you know, I think so much is contained in that. Thomas, unpacked that for us a little bit.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of things I like about that. One is the sense of voice. So talking about her muggled children, that tells us a lot about her and her audience. Because she's, I'm assuming, writes fantasy. Please tell me she writes fantasy and not like women's fiction or something absolutely writes fantasy okay so fantasy readers are going to know who muggles are or and i may be pronouncing that wrong but it's it's regular people in the world of harry potter so you're either a wizard or a muggle and you know imaginary throwing knives unicorns she's kind of hinting to fun playful and um that's great i I, it's also it's relatively short it's almost too long but each sentence is something interesting and none of it is boring, I don't think.
1: Yeah, she has established, I love my husband, I love my kids, and he looks like Wolverine, right? That all ties back into the fantasy world. She uses self-deprecating humor, is a ridiculously uncoordinated girl, right? Oh, she's just a real person, plotting to take over make-believe worlds through books. Oh, okay, now I know what she writes, and she's plotting to take over make-believe worlds. Ooh, I like this gal already. In her spare time, she feeds unicorns. That, again, ties back into what? That ties back into her whole fantasy theme. Sings 80s hairband songs. Oh, okay. So she's kind of trapped in the 80s. How cool is that? Because a lot of us like that music.
0: Now, I will say if her book is about parenting or some other nonfiction topic... This is probably not going to work, right? This, this whole thing is giving you a sense of voice, trying to pull you into the novel, make you curious about what kind of imaginary world she's taking over. You'd want a very different kind of bio for a nonfiction book.
1: Absolutely. Very different. And then she tells you, hey, I live in California. Great. I have a sense of where you're from. So I love this bio. I love this bio. Uh,
0: can you give us one more?
1: Um, all right. I'll give you mine. <laughs> uh, James L. Rubart is 28 years old but lives trapped inside an older man's body. He thinks he's still young enough to ski, water ski like a madman and dirt bike with his two grown sons and loves to send readers on journeys they'll remember months after they finish one of his stories. He's the best-selling Christy Inspey and RT Book Reviews award-winning author of seven novels as well as a professional speaker. He lives with his amazing wife on a small lake in eastern Washington. More at jameslrubart.com and even that could be seen that that's my long bio that's that's a long bio but yeah, that's enough you, right that that's that's maybe you'd
0: say too much thomas so what do you think too much what would well give us the one sentence version so people can compare if you had to pull one if you had if you had to basically just have a tagline or your name and a tweet length bio what would the tweet length bio be
1: well i want to give people the sense that Yeah, I'm not 28 years old, but I've got this sense of adventure and you're going to get that sense of adventure in my story. So I might keep in. James L. Rubart is 28 years old, but lives in trapped inside an older man's body. He's the Christie Award winning uh, author of seven novels, more at jameslrubart.com. So that, you know, just honing it down to the, to the very core, because that gives a, a sense of my voice, right? It gives my authority. And then something that Mary doesn't do that I like to see in, in bios, is a call to action. Can I get them to do something? And that's more at jameslrubart.com. Hopefully, people are going to go, oh, I want to find out a little bit
0: more. Very nice. Very nice. Well, I hope this has been helpful for you as you put together your bio. And this is something that we can help you with. Uh, if Well, James can help you with. If you want paid help, if you want a critique of your author bios, something I'm assuming this is something that some service that you offer. I I do. I do this for folks. Yeah. It's okay. It's fun. So it, it can be helpful to get another set of eyes. And very often an author will get everything about their book edited except for their bio. <laughs> and and I, I will say that there's certain things that editors and agents often don't feel like they have the authority to push back on. So like we've talked about author names, renaming people. I've renamed a lot of authors. And agents don't feel like they can tell you your name isn't working. Um, but as a marketing person, I'd be like, there is twenty other John Smiths. That name's not going to work for you. you. You need to you need to change your name. And the bio can be the same way. So Absolutely, we can kindly help you craft a bio. And
1: and the working. other the the other area, you're right, Thomas. People they they have their books thoroughly edited, but the two places, the bio, they don't have editing help, and their website copy, they don't have editing help. And that's something I do as well. I'm not trying to get you to call me to help you do that, but even if you don't use me, use somebody to. Edit your website copy. That's key.
0: All right, you have li- been listening to best-selling author James L. Rubart and just some random guy Thomas Umstead <laughs> Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you novel ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between.